from the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs is brought to you by Top Golf. At every Top Golf, it's about fun, climate-controlled bays, increased safety measures with your choice of games, as well as our sports bar and restaurant. See your local Top Golf location or topgolf.com. Summer skates, shower shoes and koozies customized for yourself or your entire team. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, from coast to coast and beyond, wherever you need to be, Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos has a destination that suits your style. Jet's Pizza, with six different styles of pizza, eight different types of crust to go with all of our fresh toppings, you can let your pizza cravings run wild. Peterson Toyota, earning the trust of our loyal customers at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins every day for over 50 years. Metro by T-Mobile, go to metrobytmobile.com to find your perfect plan, all of which come with the power of T-Mobile's 5G network. M-Drive, our boost and burn is specifically designed to help get you active, get lean, and burn fat. Get yours at mdriveformen.com. Drury Inn & Suites. Find out why we say our home is your home. Visit druryhotels.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Award-winning barbecue for your next catered event, a concert at Allegiant Stadium, or at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Jordan McAlpine. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans, as it may be. It is day two of our countdown to a national championship. Scott Strandy with you in Denver, Colorado tonight. My co-host, as always, I believe, in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, Jordan McAlpine. Jordan, how are you? Good. How are you doing tonight, Scott? Uh, I am doing good. I'm not nearly as busy as you for a change. I'm uh, I, I've slowed <laughs> down, Jordan. I'm not not keeping up to you. Yeah, I, uh, I I wish I could say the same on my end, but I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know what you've got going on. So uh, all you have to do is follow your Twitter account, and you find out all the stuff that you're doing. So um, good stuff. Okay, here's the deal. Last night, Paul Hornstein and I on College Hockey Southwest Live broke down the four teams in the uh, NCAA Frozen Four, and we uh, we talked about the teams and the matchups and who we thought was going to do what and why we thought they were going to do such a thing. Um, tonight's analytics and eyeballs, though, which means we're talking numbers and eyeballs. So we're going to get your opinion. I'll reiterate my opinion, and uh, we'll look at some numbers and see if they uh, seem to match up or if they differ or how that goes. So... Sound like a plan? Yeah, let's get right into it. Okay, so before we start breaking down the matchups, I want to give you my take on on these four teams, and then you tell me what you think of it. Um, I look at Denver and Minnesota State, and I go, those are two teams that have one goal and one goal only during the, uh, the hockey season, and that's to win a national championship. I'm not saying that Michigan and Minnesota don't have that same goal, but what I'm saying is Michigan and Minnesota also have another goal, and that's to produce talent for the next level, which we all know is the NHL. You look down the rosters, you see the top picks at Michigan, the top picks at Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota State and Denver have a few as well. But I believe that if there's going to be a distraction out there, it's going to come from Michigan or Minnesota because they all know what's at stake after the uh, Frozen Four. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head on that one. Especially, I look at both Minnesota State and Denver. I, I do think those two teams are built the most for the postseason. Um, I did, obviously not to discredit Minnesota or Michigan. We both know how skilled and talented both those teams are, and you just said it yourself right there. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't know if I'd go as far to say that there's a uh, a bigger goal in mind, if you know what I mean by that, with some of the uh, some of the kids, that the focus could potentially come as a distraction, shifting the next level. But I definitely uh, know on the Denver front that this since mid September has been the focus, and 
not only the goal, but the expectation amongst a lot of people in that Denver locker room that I'll be, uh, I'll be interested to see how those matchups go down come Thursday in Boston. Yeah, good idea. What did you do? Read my tweet? <laughs> I just sent out a tweet uh, with David Carl because I asked him today. I said, Coach, uh, we know that uh, an NCAA championship is uh, what um, everybody is looking for when they come to Denver. Um, mm-hmm. I said, is that pressure or expect or uh, experience? And he looked at me and he said, hmm, pressure or experience? How about if I just say it's expectations? He said, everybody well, I, that comes here knows that. And that, that's exactly the case. And I actually do think, and I know we've talked about it a bunch, so I don't m- want to make it sound like a broken record. But at the same time, you wonder how last season plays into that, especially uh, with the disappointment that there's got to be a little bit of extra fuel in the fire, you could say, with Denver this season. So it's uh, – they believe they feel that they belong on this stage and I'll be interested to see how that pans out for them. And before we jump into the matchups, one more thing I want to touch on is the uh, Hobie hat trick was uh, finalists were announced uh, since mm-hmm. we last uh, chatted on analytics and eyeballs. So Bobby Brink from Denver, um, uh, Ben Myers from Minnesota and the goaltender Dryden McKay from Minnesota state. Yeah. Your thoughts on those three, and uh, do you have a favorite? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, obviously, I think we all expected Bobby to be there. Dryden McKay has had the success that he's had the last few years. Me, personally, I probably would have put uh, Mr. Levi from Northeastern ahead of him just with this season as a whole for it. But at the same time, I know you can't go wrong with McKay in that situation. And obviously Ben Myers has put himself in a situation to be one of, if not the top college free agent remaining. And for just reason, you look at the uh, season he's had with the Olympics and everything else that has followed. It's a, uh, it's a good group of three to pick from. I uh, put me on the spot with that one that uh, <laughs> I know this week, this weekend is going to play a big factor into that too, to see where those teams go getting to this point. If you're talking overall player, I uh, I might have to go with Brink just because of the season he's had. But for what he's meant to the team, I would uh, I would put Myers right there as a one A and one B with him. So we'll we'll see how that uh how that shakes out there. And I mean, and no discredit to Dryden McKay either. Obviously, we know the success that he's had the last few years with it. It uh, no matter which direction that vote ends up, it's deservedly so of winning that award yeah i think you can't go wrong i asked bobby brink today when i had a chance to visit with him i said uh three minnesotans basically uh in this yeah. hunt for the uh the hobie and i said uh, any thoughts on those three and he said well i really have none because i haven't played i haven't played against either one of them <laughs> so, yeah and, and i actually do think that is one of the interesting things about it that uh i know we had the uh little bit of a conundrum about the lack thereof of, of NCHC players amongst that list when they initially put out um, the 10 for the Hobie Baker finalists there. But it is a good flavor of throughout that whole list of 10, a good mixture of guys from around the country. And you have a goaltender in there. Of course, we know the Richter Award will also be handed out on Friday. And, um, you know, typically... Yeah, Typically, Hobie Baker uh, awards don't go to goaltenders. I mean, that's happened, but not frequently. Um, Your thoughts on that? Well, and the crazy thing about it, too, is if I look at it now, I would have to give Levi the Richter, and that's where I think it gets interesting of uh, the guy who wins the the Richter might not even be amongst those three finalists for the Hobie with it. So it'll be – I know McKay will be right there with him, too. So I'll be interested to see who ends up winning that award. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. Would be would be really strange if Levi wins the Richter and McKay wins the Hobie, and you yeah. and you shut out the offensive guys. But let let me tell you, all the years of the Hobie Baker, and I joked with Bobby Brink about this about a month and a half ago. I said, "Hey, uh, a guy from Minnesota back in 1979, 80, um, won the Hobie Baker, the first one, and he scored 70 points." He's a Minnesotan. 
He's from northern Minnesota. And he kind of nodded his head. I said, you know what I'm talking about, right? He goes, yeah, Neil Broughton. And I said, yeah. He goes, he's a legend in Minnesota. I said, so at that point, he was Bobby was like 18 points short of uh, 70. I said, can you catch him? And do you want to catch him? Doesn't matter if you catch him. He said, ah, I haven't really thought about it. But no, nah, I don't think I can catch him. Um, and here it is. So Bobby's numbers, as good as they are offensively, in any other year, I think he's a hands-down winner from what he's meant to his team, to the number of games he's played, to the improvement he made from last year to this year. I mean, just go on and on and on. I would think he's a hands-down, but this year, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, uh, whether you look at the Broughtons of the world or anyone from that era, for that matter, the uh, discrepancies and differences in points (laughs) – compared to what they are today is a uh, drastic drop off for it. So it's something uh, you got to take into consideration when, uh, when making those comparisons with it, but it's, it's a different ball game and a different era of college hockey. That's for certain. Yeah. Without a doubt. Okay. Time to break down the numbers. So let's start with game. Number one, Denver, Michigan, Goodness gracious, Jordan, when I look at the uh, the team offense, just for starters, across the board, you have number one, Denver, averaging uh, 4.28 goals per game, and number three, Michigan, averaging 4.02 goals per game, if I've got um, everything up to date on my stats. Um, so two teams that can obviously score. Um, you yeah. look at the goals against <laughs> Denver's, Denver's given up 90, Michigan's given up 91. Um, so when you see that, uh, do we just automatically expect it's going to be high scoring or might it not be? You know, I actually think it's going to be the opposite of that for, uh, for both of those games out, out in Boston with it. And I will say to, uh, the last month or so of the season, especially, I know we had a little bit of a blip when they were here in Omaha, but I have been impressed with, uh, Magnus Krona's kind of turnaround from last season and the consistency that he's played with throughout this year. That uh, good goaltending matchup, and obviously the obvious is you see all those draft picks, you see all the potent offense that comes with it. Everyone right away wants to jump to the uh, assumption, and justifiably so, that you're going to get a shootout in a 7-6 type of game or whatever the case may be. But I, uh, I actually I don't know if I see that being the case with it. Yeah, it's a, it, I feel the same way because I feel that that both teams can put the puck in the net, but I also saw a change in Magnus Corona about the second period of uh, the game against Lowell. He, he really focused in. I was a little worried about him when he gave up the first goal against Minnesota Duluth on a shot that I didn't think was uh, uh, overwhelming, uh, to say the least. But then he buckled down, and his focus has been just unbelievable. And I know you and I have talked about this. Paul and I have talked about it. Um, From the very start of the season, uh, David Carl said that he had a heart-to-heart with Magnus. And that heart-to-heart was, hey, you have to play better if we're going to win a national championship. So this, uh, this net is yours to lose, basically. And he hasn't lost it. Yeah, no, and he's... Actually, I talked to Magnus earlier this week for a uh, story that I should have out in the next couple of days here that he, you can tell he's a confident goalie, number one. And number two, throughout the season, the uh, the line he used was getting back to basics at the start of this year. And obviously it sounds cliche, but at the same time, that's really what the focus was on for him. Obviously, there's a, there's a reason Tampa Bay picked him. There's a reason San Jose wanted to trade for him. Obviously, he's led the caliber of a Denver team between the pipes the last few years here on top of it, that the potential's always been there. That I know last year, um, more than anything, was a frustration for him when, especially out of the gate, they never got off on the right foot, and it seemed like it just snowballed after that. But I, uh, I do get the sense he's in a good place right now, number one, and then number two on top of it they've won, which <laughs> it's, it's the easy fix, but it's the old cliche that winning cures everything, but it's, uh, it's got to make you feel a lot better when you're sitting there in the crease, when you've got that offense and the, especially the talented decor that Denver has in front of him, that uh, there's got to be a little bit of an extra trust factor that he's playing with. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. Okay, so when you look at the stat lines between Denver and Michigan, uh, I look at it as really, really close, almost all the way across the board. Is there one area, Jordan, that you think uh, one of those teams has an advantage? I, to be bluntly honest, there's nothing that really jumps off the page right away that I look at and I see, oh, that's the difference maker or whatever, whatever the case. Um, obviously, with as talented of lineups as both of those teams have, that it's the cliche. Obviously, the goaltending we just talked about, and the other cliche, if we want to uh, cross it off the bingo card, is the power play. But it's true that uh, you give an offense if that's an offense with that caliber of skill that they have on top of it, the uh, the extra advantage when they uh, they don't need it to begin with, but when you go down a man in the box and you're playing shorthanded there, that's uh, that's a real key of what I see that game coming down to. And then also on top of it, how active those defensemen will get in the play. Obviously, you look at a Luke Hughes on Michigan. You look down Denver's lineup, Tuamisto, Benning, Barons, Booyam, all of the above that uh, get those defensemen activated, join the rush there, and I think that'll make a big difference. Okay, the, the one thing that it, – it's not a big numbers because uh, they, are, they aren't separated by much, but after watching Denver all season long like I have, um, special teams worries me a tad because I'm not sure what special team unit Denver is going to bring out, whether it be on the power play or the PK. So Denver comes in with a 24.87 power play percentage and a PK of 78.85. Michigan comes in with a 27.03 power play and 82.67 PK. Um, Not big differences, but we're talking about a one and done game here. And, uh, Right now, I think you have to give the advantage in both categories to Michigan. It's a matter of can Denver step up their game or not get stuck in that situation where they're, where they're on the penalty kill a lot. Well, and you just said it yourself too, especially in a uh, winner-take-all, one-ride-or-die ride type of game with it, that those quote-unquote little differences or little discrepancies can make a huge difference. And – uh I mean, as it currently sits now, I think I'd have to agree with you and give that advantage to the Wolverines there. And obviously, uh, they're not lacking skill in any means on that power play unit. And number two with the penalty kill, that with with Denver's alignment with it, uh, you shut down that right side. Obviously, with I know Savoy's got uh, one of the most potent shots in the NCHC and probably the country for that matter on top of it. But you take him away and you wonder how that impacts them heading into a uh, crunch time power play late in the third period where they need a goal to tie it or wherever the case may be that uh, I'll be, I'll be interested to watch that matchup and really key in on it. Okay. One more number that's, that's close. And I think this could be a difference maker as well, but shorthanded goals, the pioneers have six, the Wolverines have eight and uh, they both allowed two goals each shorthanded. So very, very similar on that end of it. Um, if there's a difference that I'm going to favor Denver on this this matchup, Jordan, uh, I believe it's going to be the fourth line. I, I think Denver, and uh, Paul Hornstein's listening, I know he's yelling, yelling at his uh, phone right now, but uh, Denver has four really solid lines. I think Michigan has two and a half, three really solid lines. I don't know if they've proven to me yet this year, that they have four solid lines. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I I do like Denver's depth a lot. And I know we've talked about it at wit's end throughout the season, it feels like. But especially at this time of year in these games, that's where you really need that depth to shine through for them. So I would still uh, I'd agree with you on that one and give them the matchup advantage in that situation. And, you know, uh, somebody asked David Carl in the scrum today um, about players that have stood out between the uh, – frozen um sorry the uh regional tournament and this week during practice and he really he said that's a really good question and he thought for a little while and he said um a couple names that i remember and he, he rattled off maybe four or five guys but the first one that came out of his mouth was jack works and uh <laughs> jack is a guy that hasn't played much this year fourth liner mm-hmm. that battled for a spot in the rotation 
And for him to come out and say, yeah, he might have been our best or might have had the best week of practice, that kind of shocked me. He also said that Antti Tuomisto had a terrific week of practice. So names to think about. Um, and again, I, I go back to that fourth line. If that fourth line can can outdo Michigan's fourth line and the other three lines can hold hold each other at bay, guess who wins this one? Yeah, and especially I look at it, whether it's a McCade Webster, Carter King, um, obviously you just said works, trying to think, oh, I know Owen Ozar has been involved in that rotation on top of it too, that Denver does have some skilled guys that can get plugged into those quote-unquote bottom six or bottom line roles. So it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that matches up. Okay, anything else number-wise that jumps out on you on that first game or uh, things that you think we need to be aware of while we're watching that game at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday night? Um, I would just say from uh, <clears throat> last week or two weeks ago now, I guess I should say, from watching the Quinnipiac and Michigan game to uh, from Michigan standpoint, if, can, if Denver gets some momentum or goes on a roll, It'll be interesting to see how they react. That uh, I know it got a little bit uh, hairy for Michigan there when Quinnipiac was rallying there in the third. And I would, uh, with Denver's firepower that they have on top of it, much different situation if that's the case with the Pioneers offense. That I would, uh, I'd buckle up <laughs> if I'm a Michigan fan and you get in a similar situation to that. But besides that, and to be a uh, f- fully transparent on it haven't done too too deep of a dive yet into all the little matchup intricacies and everything else that comes with it but i uh i would pay attention to that if if the situation arises in a third period rally okay i have two things to close out this one um denver i think um and these are little things that i picked up uh coach carl said uh two weeks ago when they were in the uh semi the uh, regional final he said, you know, this regional, both teams we played, we kind of had the same game plan for both because they had the same style. And he adjusted his style. We both watched his team um, get manhandled by the Bulldogs at the frozen faceoff. Um, so he adjusted his style, and it ended up working. It beat Lowell, and it beat it beat Lewis. So I asked him again. I said, okay, Michigan's a different animal. Um, obviously a different plan. He goes, yeah, yeah, there's some things that we're going to change up uh, that we know Michigan does well and maybe some things that we think we can capitalize on, but there'll be a different game plan um, for how we go against Michigan. And, of course, number one was he was going to talk about how how his team was going to be worried about his own team first and then uh, deal with Michigan. So that's the first thing is the coaching thing, not to take anything away from Mel Pearson at, at Michigan, but – I think David uh, is a little bit more tactical, if if I can say that without getting slapped by the Michigan people. <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll say that one first. Uh, secondly, is um, I, I really think the distractions aren't being made most of and uh, the most of. And I'll tell you, um, I was on the NCAA coaches call on uh, the 29th of March, and every question directed, well, virtually every question in the 15 minutes directed towards Michigan and Minnesota were um, from NHL writers, NHL people saying like, Hey, uh, Owen power. Can you tell us how he's going to affect um, his team in the NHL? Um, Matty Berniers, how's he going to play when he goes to Seattle? That was the questions, right? So if you're getting questions in an NCAA frozen four about how your players are going to play in the NHL, how can that not take a little bit of focus away on what you're trying to accomplish? Denver, Minnesota State, no questions about that. They were not asked about Bobby Brink and whether he was going to be a good pro at Philadelphia or any of that. It was all about how good is your team and can they play against these NHL, and I'm using air quotes here, NHL quality <laughs> players for Michigan and from Minnesota. So uh, that's why I close that one out. Anything to recap on my, my comments? No. And I, I think it goes back to what we talked about off the top there that um, you wonder how much of a distraction that that will play this weekend, that as much as you downplay it, whether you're a coach or a player, you know, it, and I know it, that that's uh, that's hovering in the back of the head a little bit. 
Yeah, it has to be because uh, these guys all know that there's a paycheck coming really, really quickly. And uh, while they would like to win a, a trophy, guess what? That trophy is going to go in their university and it's going to be there. And yeah, they can say they're part of it, but uh, they're also going to talk about their NHL careers and how they developed to be NHL players. Whereas at Denver, uh, and you'll see this this weekend, uh, the alumni are coming out in full force in Boston to support this team. And uh, if you're a national champion at Denver, you're revered uh, forever. I mean, you're just part of the pioneer together tradition. So um, that, that's, that's the intangible that I think might be out there. I'm going to say it again. I said it in the regional. Um, Ralph Backstrom's passing last year and the fact that they're honoring Ralph Backstrom this entire season with the RB on the, uh, the jerseys and I, maybe even on the helmet. Um, they're, there's a higher power at, at work here. And I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's going to have any effect or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Okay. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Cause we have to break down Minnesota state and Minnesota. We know one thing, there's going to be one team from Minnesota in that uh, championship game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in about three minutes. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player, or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? Behind the mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or behindthemask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. From the Summer Skate Studios, this is Analytics and Eyeballs. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans as it may be. Day two of our uh, Skate to Boston, the Road to the National Championship. Scott Strandy with you tonight from Denver, Colorado. Jordan McAlpine uh, from beautiful Omaha, Nebraska. That is where you're at, right, Jordan? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to check uh, in because you never know. <laughs> actually, for, uh, for, early, for early April weather, I can't complain. So, <laughs> Ah, I hear you. I can't either. 
Uh, I understand Boston, though, is going to be rain in about 40 degrees <laughs> the Oof. entire time. So can I just stay inside the entire time? <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So the 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time game on ESPN2 is Denver and Michigan. The 8 o'clock Eastern time uh, game is between Minnesota State and Minnesota. And that game has uh, been moved, thanks to baseball, to ESPNU. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on that because uh, I was a little unhappy uh, as uh, a guy that wants to grow the game of hockey. Um, I was a little disappointed it got moved to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, especially since that's the game of the two that more than likely would draw better, especially with the uh, – in-state and Minnesota matchup on top of it, but I do know with ESPN standpoint that as much as I hate to say it, loving uh, college hockey and wanting to grow it as much as it can, that I know the uh, money talks, number one, and number two with the baseball standpoint of it, that that uh, kind of rule, rules the roost over college hockey, I guess you could say from that standpoint, and as frustrating as it is that uh, – I wish I could say I'm surprised, but I'm not. <laughs> well, here's here's the big thing. There's a bunch of people in Minnesota that are subscribing to ESPNU right now. <laughs> They're all going to want to be able to see that game. Um, two really good matchups. As I said just before the break, uh, we know one thing. There's going to be a team from Minnesota in the uh, championship game on Saturday. Will it be the Mavericks of Minnesota State in their purple and gold, or will it be the maroon and gold uh, of the University of Minnesota? Um, when you look at the numbers on these two, Jordan, uh, things jumped out at me right away. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I think I've seen them all year, but I think they just jumped out at me more this year. Um, your thoughts on the numbers. First of all, let's talk about goals scored. Um, Minnesota State 172 to Minnesota's 137. Does that surprise you at all? It does. And I, and I do know with, Obviously, you have to take it with a grain of salt looking at the uh, the conferences they play in with the level of competition in the Big Ten and the caliber that comes with that. But I do know Minnesota went through a little bit of a rut there early in the season. Uh, on top of it, you lose Ben Myers, Faber, the the talent with the Olympics that comes with that. That it's been, a, uh, <laughs> it's been a up-and-down season at times for them, but they've found a way to click and brought it all together. And uh, I don't know, you for over almost 40 goal difference between those two, it sounds crazy. But if you, uh, to be bluntly honest, from the outside looking in, I would have expected the other way around just if you were basing <laughs> that off, basing that off of the skill and caliber of offense that those two teams have. But if you really do a deep dive into it and look at all the other outside factors, I'm not entirely surprised by it. Yeah, and, and when you think of um, uh, Minnesota State, uh, Dryden McKay is the first thing that comes to mind, at least in my head. Um, so I think goaltending and goals against. Um, and their goals against per game as a team for Minnesota State, 1.29. How are you going to beat that team? One nothing game. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. No, that that uh, that's the story. And I will say too, with the Gophers, Justin Close has played a lot better than I think a lot of people around that program expected to. That that is going to be the interesting storyline coming into this. And I know Mankato is probably built for the postseason the best of any team of the four that are going to be in Boston this weekend. But uh, that that game. The Michigan-Denver game, I could see going either way on the style that you're going to have to win. But with uh, Mankato and, and Minnesota, you know it and I know it. You're going to have to shut them down and uh, cash in on your opportunities if you want a chance to move on. Okay, here's another one for you. Um, power play goals. Minnesota State, 44. Minnesota, 25. That is a huge discrepancy. Power play yeah. percentage. Uh, Minnesota State, 26.99. Minnesota, 21.55. Uh, you go to the penalty kill. Uh, Minnesota State, 86.62. And um, Minnesota in at 84.85. Um, 
man, if you're talking goaltending and special teams and you and you write them down on paper and then you look at them side by side, how can this not be a Minnesota State victory? Because they don't play the games on paper? <laughs> the goaltending's a big thing, and obviously I know it's Dryden McKay has uh once once after another and over and over again the last four years with it that he uh this weekend's his chance to shine and uh and show that. But when you look at those numbers for it, obviously as potent and as skilled as Minnesota has uh, of an offense, <laughs> you you wonder how much of a difference it's gonna make when you can't get a puck or if you can't get a puck at the other end of the ice. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you on that. Um I look at this game and I go like, if Minnesota State jumps out to a lead, um, we're going to have uh, a real problem in Minnesota. And one thing again, and uh, I hate to keep beating this dead horse, but I'm going to do it one more time. Um, Minnesota's got guys that are going to um, the NHL very, very soon um, after the NCAA tournament is over with. So that that in itself let's say you fall behind two, nothing, three, nothing. And midway through the game, um, does Minnesota players all of a sudden go, Oh boy. Uh, you know what? Um, I'm going to sign my professional contract tomorrow. Um, whatever, let these guys have it. Uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, is that something that could creep into their mindset? Do you think? Uh, did I lose? Yeah, Jordan's Jordan's breaking up just a tad. I, I don't know if we're uh, running into a bad connection, but try it again, Jordan. Scott, Scott, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you Scott, hear me? Still there? I'm here. I'm here. Yep. Sorry, I lost you there for yeah. a second. Did you hear what I said? You know, you. I lost you about halfway okay. through. <laughs> so anyway, I'm saying like, uh, if Minnesota State uh, jumps out to uh, let's say a two or three nothing lead. Uh, midway through the game, do you think Minnesota just kind of goes, ah, we got guys signing their contracts uh, in a day or two. Um, I don't know if the effort's going to be there. Is is that something that could creep into the mindset? Or is this, as uh, Paul Hornstein likes to tell me, is you play to win the game kind of mindset, and that will never creep in? Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum. You could uh, look at it as the cliche fold the guys look look ahead to what's at stake next for him but at the same time especially with the national championship on the line that uh i don't know if i see that being the case yeah i, I hope it doesn't but um uh, you know what i i've watched them in the uh the big 10 championship game and they uh they had their an own goal basically scored on them and they fell apart mm-hmm. for a period and a half and then they rebounded quickly and they poured it on and nearly got the game tied. Um, but that can't happen, I don't think, in this scenario where Minnesota State will bury them. And again, I, I'm going to go back to the lead. Um, I think Minnesota State is here. Every player in that team is here for one reason and one reason only. It's a national championship, and it means everything to that university. And uh, the University of Minnesota has got theirs. They've got quite a few of them. Um, <clears throat> will, will they play that hard? Knowing that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, some of the guys at Minnesota are going to go pro. Some of the guys at at Minnesota State will go pro, but not at the same level. Yeah, and especially from Mankato's situation where you talk about burying them or whatever the case with that, you know it and I know it that uh, the Mavs are going to cash in on their opportunities when presented. So it's going to be critical from uh, Minnesota's standpoint. You bring out all the cliches, play a full 60, keep the focus from the puck drop, you you name it. But at the same time, those are uh, those are going to really reign supreme against a team like Mankato. A couple more numbers to throw out at you. Minnesota State, 142 power play goals. Um, 
I, I'm, just, I, that, I'm just shaking my head at that. Minnesota 99, and you think of the firepower at Minnesota, and they're trailing by 43 power play goals. I know Minnesota State's played four more games, so the, the hate mail will be coming in at me going like, hey, you got to match up the game, whatever. Uh, it's still uh, NCAA hockey, and they still scored goals at a uh, on the power play at a pretty incredible clip. The other thing is both teams have only scored two shorthanded goals, and Minnesota's only allowed one shorthanded goal against. That's pretty impressive on that end of it. Yeah, and I to, to be bluntly honest, I didn't uh, I didn't realize it was that much of a difference in the power play goals, and obviously there's a lot of different factors that go into it. But that's uh, crazy to think about, especially with that firepower and talent that the Gophers have there. If there's that much of a drop off according to, uh, to the stat line. But you know, and I know it, the, uh, the stat lines don't dictate the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and let's go to the percentage. The power play percentage, 26.99 for uh, Minnesota State, 21.55 for Minnesota. Again, another stat that I would not have guessed would gone that much in the favor of the Mavericks. Can you repeat that, Scott? Sorry, I lost you there again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Minnesota State, 26.99 percentage on the power play. Minnesota, 21.55. That's a stat that I would not have guessed would have gone in the favor of the Mavericks. Yeah, no, definitely wouldn't. And once again, we just talked about it (laughs) making me sound like a broken record here with it. But uh, you look up and down that Minnesota lineup, the, the draft picks, the caliber recruits that they have coming in, um, and it it's the University of Minnesota for a reason. They've got the pedigree, they got the track record for those caliber players there that I would uh, I would not expect that much of a drop off. But Mankato's got something to prove, uh, as they have all year long for that matter, and throughout the last few years, especially under Mike Hastings, that there's the the will and the uh, I know they the cliche will to win, but at the same time that they keep finding a way to get it done and the diamond in the rough type players always seem to pan out there. And when you look at the uh, success they've had, those stats all make sense. Yeah, exactly. Here's another one that'll, that'll blow you away. Minnesota States allowed 54 goals against Minnesota 86. That's a huge discrepancy. And I know here comes the hate mail again. Uh, yeah, it's because they play in the CCHA. Um, yeah, but Minnesota State also played a very, very strong non-conference schedule um so to allow just 54 goals all season that's ridiculous that is absolutely ridiculous with the talent in college hockey yeah just uh i guess i'll give you the two-word answer dryden mckay but that's uh you you look at (laughs) you look at him and you look at what he's had they've been very sound defensively in front of him too that uh that number is well earned to say the least amongst that team okay so if we play this game on paper uh overwhelmingly minnesota state wins we know it's not going to be played on paper we know it's going to be played on tv garden ice um so what does minnesota do in your estimation jordan to uh counteract minnesota state um and and get a w the the speed would be the one big thing that i would point to especially with uh if you're going to attack the way mankato's built that that's that's one thing I point to. And then number two, your best players have to be your best players at this time of year. And I look at a, a Nyes, a Myers, a Faber, Lacombe, we keep going up and down the rock, the Gophers roster. And uh, they, uh, especially Justin Close has been good in net too, that it, it's going to be an all hands on deck effort. But if you win a 2-1, 3-2, 1-0 type of game, whatever the case it may be, that – uh. I think the Gophers have a chance, but at the same time, I, me personally, I'm still rolling, uh, rolling Mankato in that game if I'm making predictions there. Okay, so if you want to make predictions, um, the championship game is going to be Mankato against two Minnesota Den- State against. De- I'd I'd say uh, Minnesota State Denver, and I would uh, oh boy, of those two, I I could see <laughs> that one going either way, but I'd uh. Probably, I'd probably go advantage Minnesota State in that situation. Honestly, I I do like Denver's build a lot, but at the same time, uh, something special about this Minnesota State team this season. I know, and they do have uh, 
it's been a lot a long time coming <laughs> obviously last year they finally get that elusive first tournament win for them that I do know that they're they're rolling at the right time with it and I would uh I think you'll see that match up in either way in a championship game but I could see that going either way as for who wins that okay so I asked Paul Hornstein this last night I said do you remember uh, who played in the West Regional in Loveland last year um it was Minnesota State and Minnesota. Uh, mm-hmm. Minnesota State won that one for nothing. Um, having grown up in Minnesota and you having grown up very close to Minnesota, when I was at Duluth, uh, there was always a chant that was, hey, we're Minnesota, you're just Duluth. Uh, that chant came around, and I'm sure it still happens uh, at Mankato. It's like, hey, we're Minnesota, you're Minnesota, you're just state or whatever it may be. <laughs> um, so I is there still a chip on the shoulder of Minnesota state to prove, Hey, you might be the big brother. You might've been around longer, but uh, we're going to show you that, that this state is purple and gold this year and not maroon and gold. Yeah, sure. I do think that comes in. I don't know how big of a a factor, especially considering the age of a lot of these kids. And I mean, similar, even you look at some of the rivalries around the country, whether it's North Dakota, Minnesota, or anything else that comes with that, that it, it might have lost a little bit of its flair from years past, but at the same time, there's there is a chip on the shoulder of that. And number two, uh, it's the U, it's the state school. There's everything else that comes with it. You got a chance, like you just said, to knock off Big Brother. It's obviously easy to get up for those games. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I don't know. Uh, there's no Super 16, obviously. I think Paul Hornstein is listening, so if he wants to jump in on this one. Uh, I want to finish out the show today, Jordan, uh, talking about the uh, the scoring leaders, the goaltending leaders, and uh, just tell everybody out there how close things are. So uh, if Paul comes on, we'll uh, we'll invite him to say a word or two. If he doesn't, you and I are just going to chat it up and uh, let him sit in his basement on Long Island. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the scoring leaders, as we said, Bobby Brink leads the country with 56 points, uh, University of Denver product, junior forward, uh, 14 goals, 42 assists. Um, I don't know what to think about Bobby as far as whether he'll be a pioneer next year or not. Um, I'm about yeah, 50-50. I, right I, see him, I see him signing, especially with uh, with this year, the success that he's had. And, I mean, now this, this weekend could, could factor into that. Let's say they end up getting knocked out in this first game or going to the championship and losing – there could be a sense of the proverbial unfinished business that comes back with that. But I look at Denver's roster, a Bobby, a Gutman type player that, uh, and especially if they win it, it makes it that much more justifiable, but they've proven, they've proven what they can prove at the college game with it. And especially with the situation in Philadelphia, you look at a Ronnie Otterd, Noah Cates, the, uh, the young, the new young blood that they've been bringing in there, that it's been a struggle that there's a, a golden ticket and a good chance for Bob, uh, someone like a Bobby Brink to hop into that lineup out there in Philadelphia and make an impact right away. All right. You made the case for, uh, and a good one, I might add, for, uh, for leaving. I'm going to make the case for coming back. Uh, I've been joking for a little over a month now with uh, not only uh, Coach Carl, but Cole Gutman as well. Uh, Cole Gutman does get that fifth year if he wants. I, mm-hmm. uh, I joked with uh, David Carl and I said, you know, after the last regular season home game, I said, or after the playoff series against uh, um, Colorado College, I told uh, Cole Gutman, I said, what were your feelings playing at Magnus for the last time? And um, he kind of just looked at me and he said, yeah, it was different. I was feeling kind of different, but he didn't really go out and say, yeah, you know, it's really terrible. Uh, I felt awful knowing that this is my last game here. And then uh, unprovoked, uh, David Carl said, hey, uh, if he wants to come back for the fifth year, we got a spot for him. So what what went into my head was like this past year, uh, and I know you know this as well, but Cole Gutman, Bobby Brink, um, Carter Savoy, I'm not sure who else, maybe Kyle Mayhew. There's a bunch of guys that, that have become very, very close and either live together or live very close together. Um, uh, I could see, win or lose, I could see them coming back for one more run because Cole, Cole Gutman, uh, a good college player, but where's he going in the Tampa Bay lineup? He's going to the ECHL. 
if he comes back and, and uh, <laughs> becomes a free agent, where does he go? Does he get his opportunity to pick a different place? Yeah, and, and I, I could see that argument, but at the same time, I will say I think the uh, the ECHL is a stretch with a player like Cole Gutman for it. But I, I do get the point. With Tampa Bay's organizational depth chart um, of potentially coming back, but at the same time, and, and like I said, especially if they win the national championship, I think that further further cements or further complicates this. But I uh, – I'd I'd have a hard time seeing, and and from Denver's case, hopefully I'm wrong on this, but I would have a hard time seeing them being able to get all those guys to come back to return. And I yeah. will I will point at other examples of I know like Western Michigan last year had Frank, Pasalt, Poland, Adderd, Washi at the time that whole group come back together with uh, last season being as tough as it was for them as a team that they didn't want that bad taste in their mouth. But I, uh, I think it's a little bit of a different ball game with this Denver team. Yeah, I think you're right. And also Minnesota Duluth, they're uh, they're a team that brought back a lot of guys, four of them to be exact, I think, uh, for the fifth year. So it, it it's not like it hasn't been done. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting watch. I think Paul Hornstein's with us. So uh, Paul, if you are, pipe in and uh, give us your thoughts on uh, the scoring leaders: Bobby Brink, Nathan Smith, Bobby Trevino. Um, your thoughts on those three? Uh, 1.76927, 131942, 154924, 128934. Phone numbers? Not, if you're not <laughs> going to give Dryden McKay the Richter, let alone the Hobie. I'm talking stop. about scoring. Stop. I'm talking stop. about stop. scoring stop. now. Not goaltending. You can stop go on goaltending in a minute. Stop giving the award. Just, just stop giving the award. <laughs> Jordan, you okay. want to counter him? <laughs> just stop. He, he bypassed scoring. I asked him about scoring. He went right to goaltending. <laughs> Jordan, your thoughts? Yeah. I, with, with that goaltending, that I, and I do think Jordan McKay obviously has, uh, has the case made and has the background to it to uh, support that, but I don't know that this season as a whole, I, I could see that going either way to either him or Levi. Well, I mean, and I'll let you take it from there. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say that Levi Devin Levi has not had a great season. I'm not going to say that, but the fact of the matter is, and, and let's see, I mean, we can go back and I, I don't know how, where the heck to find these things. Uh, let's see. Uh, by the way, um, you almost have to give... Do you want to talk about scoring while I look this up? That's fine. Um, Brink? I mean, for crying out loud, he's the leading scorer with against the toughest conference. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just... And it's not that those other guys are obviously not great players. And, and, and I love Nathan Smith and Bobby Trevino. Uh, I'm not holding, Long Island kid. I'm not holding where he might sign against him. Long Island kid. You know, well, yeah, that, there's that too. But um, <laughs> And he did sign already, didn't he, with the Rangers? Like I said, I'm not going to uh, <laughs> hold where he signs against oh, him. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. But um, uh, that being said, you're gonna sit there and 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 talk about uh, Bobby Brink as opposed to, uh, and he did play a few more games. You know, we get it. We have to. We have to be honest about that too. But he did play in the toughest conference, and you know, he was very rarely stopped. He averaged a point and a half a game in that league. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so so we got that down. Uh, I want to go back to this goaltending thing because if there was ever two guys with their numbers so close together, it's Dryden McCain and uh, Devin Levi. Uh, they are just like uh, Devon Levi, I guess, maybe if he's going by the, uh, the Von Taves uh, pronunciation. Um, Jordan, which one is it? You know, Devin or Devon? 
I, I'm pretty sure it's Devin. It yeah, might be Devon. All right. Yeah. I, I, Devon Taves is how they go by with the Avalanche, and everybody gets right. irritated if you aware. don't call him that. Because <laughs> he used to be an Islander. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's playing for the Avalanche, probably going to win a cup. Anyway, um, uh, Yanov Peretz, his numbers are blow everybody's out of the water. But really, really playing at Quinnipiac, and again, taking nothing away, but the competition level is just quite a bit different, isn't it? Jordan? Yeah, I, I would have to say so in both those situations compared to Levi or McKay. Well, yeah, but couldn't you also say that about Devin Levi? Hockey East is not is not it had some good teams but they were not up there where they normally are. Uh, ECAC had a lot of down teams. But what about uh, the CCHA? What about him? Well, Dryden McKay got his crack at a lot of pretty weak teams. Yeah, <laughs> he got yeah. St. Thomas. He got, uh, uh, you know, well, I don't know. Let's go down the list. Northern Michigan. Um, that you, you, you can go down the list of uh, – uh, and I just think that the Dryden or McKay and Leva, let's go that route so I don't get the name wrong. Um, I think the numbers are so close, but I think you have to look at games played. Dryden played 41. Uh, Levi played 32. That, that's a, that's a nine-game discrepancy in games played. To me, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, the winning percentage, 37 wins, four losses for a 902 winning percentage. Come on. That that's like off the charts. That is yeah, well, off the charts winning percentage. I don't want to hold the fact that uh, Devin Levi went to the World Juniors and did he play in the Olympics? I can't remember. I don't want to hold those things against him. Okay, but you want to talk about those kinds of things? Trying uh, to play K beat UMass, including a shutout. Okay, uh, shutout St. Cloud State. Okay. Um, beat Providence, beat Michigan. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the, uh, some more non-conference games. Um, oh, look at that. Two goals in two games against somebody's Bulldogs. <laughs> look at that. Oh, shush. Actually, the, the friggin' worst games he played, non-conference for the ASU ones. You have two goals, three goals. Um, and, you know, he well, we know that hard. powerhouse. Well, but that's my point. You know, I mean, oh, and you know, he only shut the sh- save. He only set the shutout record. But you know, what the hell? <laughs> Jordan, he's making a heck of a case, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and do you want it? We can go. We can go back to the years before that too, if you'd like to, to, to try and figure out. <laughs> Uh, what the, what he did in those Paul, other years, you know. Paul, like, Paul's got a whole years. wall of Dryden McKay stuff on his on his basement wall. I'm a um, boy, I didn't get it. <laughs> okay, so so what's coming out in this? If we get it back to the Frozen Four, is Dryden McKay easily the uh, the top goaltender in the uh, Frozen Four? You have to look down to uh, Justin Close. Who is uh, what? One, two, three, four, five, six, number six in the goaltending stats. Then you have to drop down another one, two, three, four, five, six to find Eric Portillo. Then you have to go one more to find Magnus Krona. Uh, if goaltending and uh, specialty teams win championships, who's the NCAA championship champion on Saturday night? Jordan? Uh, Goes to my my uh my case for the Mavericks winning at Mankato. <laughs> Paul, um, you love predictions. Yeah, yes, that's what I'll say. I love predictions. <laughs> he does. He doesn't, he doesn't want to do the prediction. Um, I I think at last Jordan does. I think it's Denver, Minnesota State. But uh, I've seen too much of Denver to go against them. Plus, my beard is still growing. So uh, I don't want to shave it until Saturday night or Sunday morning. So well, I, I would say just let it keep growing. Forget about Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> just let it keep going. The more of it that covers your face, you oh, know, good one. we're better off in the pictures. So Yeah, you're funny. Yeah, you are hilarious. Uh, okay. Okay, Jordan, any closing thoughts? I uh, 
If I had to ask Paul if he had a uh, prediction for the Richter, who would you go with? <laughs> uh, I Unfortunately, if you look at the history of the Richter Award, right, and this is including uh, somebody who, who was wearing a Denver jersey and a North Dakota jersey, okay, uh, four out of the six have come from uh, teams that uh, were slightly east of the uh, Mississippi River. <laughs> and you want to tell me that uh, I have East Coast bias? Okay. I, I mean, <laughs> if, that, if, if, that's what I'm, if that's what you're thinking, well, yeah, I'm going to say that uh, – uh, and I'm sorry, five out of seven because Jeremy Swayman won it last year or won it in 2020, right? So, and that was the last time they gave the award. So, uh, yeah, okay. So, five out of the seven were either Hockey East or or the, a, a Big Ten team, and that was just once. Okay, you made your point. Good stuff. I'll remind everybody that the uh, the Skate to the National Tournament podcast continue uh, tomorrow night as uh, we'll talk uh, more NCAA hockey. We've got uh, Chris Bay from um, Magnus Mayhem coming on tomorrow night. Wednesday night, I'll be somewhere between Gate G and F in the Fort Lauderdale Airport, so we'll have no show Wednesday. Uh, Thursday, we'll be on uh, immediately following the uh, second game of the semifinal round Friday, um, 7.30 PM mountain time. We'll be bringing it to you uh, as we wrap up the awards day at the NCAA tournament. And um, Saturday, of course, we're going to recap immediately following the championship game. Sunday, be college hockey Southwest live at its regular time, a season in review at 7.30 Monday, Jordan and I will be back. Uh, we'll take a look at the NCAA Ahead, we'll talk about the new name change coming for us and some new teams that uh, we're going to be adding to our coverage area. And finally, uh, a week from Tuesday, um, we will be talking uh, NCAA team recaps and getting started on our uh, weekly or weekly recaps. Yes, where every Tuesday night we'll have a new coach on uh, to talk about their season, and then we'll talk about some teams that are coming in and that have their coaches on. So. That's the game plan. Stick to us at ITHSW Podcasts and uh, stay tuned. If you follow us, subscribe, you will get the podcast as soon as it comes out. Okay, Jordan, take it away. From the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs have been brought to you by the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all the action from the toughest conference in all of college hockey. Jury and Sweets. Now an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay at our new Lake Buena Vista location opening this October or at any location at jurryhotels.com. By Summer Skates. Whether you use your own name and number or you want to represent your favorite player, show off your game and style. Visit summerskates.com for more information on how to get your personalized shower shoes and koozies today. Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to our $60 a month plan which includes an Amazon Prime membership. See one of our stores for details today. Behind the Mask. No one knows goalie needs better than we do. Visit BehindTheMask.com where there are three Valley locations for more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, our food sums up one word. Perfection. By M-Drive. For supplements to fuel and refine your drive, visit mdriveformen.com. Peterson Toyota, located at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins. Our staff works hard to make sure you get the right car that fits your needs. Shop our selection of both new and pre-owned vehicles today. Jets Pizza. It's more than just great pizza. You'll love our wings, sidekicks, and more. Find the location near you at jetspizza.com. And by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Worldwide, Caesars is where the action is. Analytics and eyeballs and all the Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcast are recorded live on the Podbean app. You can also download our shows on iTunes, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on TuneIn. Analytics and eyeballs and all of our weekly podcasts come to you from the Summer Skate Studios and are a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Very well done, my friend. Thank you, Paul Hornstein, for uh, 
piping up and piping in. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan, for uh, taking time in your very busy schedule to uh, bring all the numbers to us. Um, you are more than welcome if you're bored this week to jump on anytime and, uh, and chat with us as we uh, work our way to a national championship. And certainly we'll be back Monday night uh, to do analytics and eyeballs as always. All right. We'll say good night. Little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers. Uh, hello, New Day. Good night, everybody.